Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. All this month, uh, because it is the month of February, we're talking about relationships. But last week, I kind of gave you this, and I I told you that don't just clock out whenever we say relationships, because we're not just talking about married people or people who are in love, because it is you could be in here and you could be single, and, uh, and you're not even looking to find love or whatever that is. We're, we're, not, just, we're not just talking about relationships um, that with a boy or a girl or whatever it may be. Um, we're talking about relationships um, just with everyone. You have a, whether you know it or not, you have a relationship with your boss, you have a relationship with your coworkers, your friends, your family. Um, that's the type of relationships that we're talking about. So don't just clock out and say, oh, I'm not married, so this doesn't apply to me. This applies to you. And in fact, we're talking about um, some different relationships that can be kind of hard to handle. In fact, um, we said this last week that because God loves us, we're called to love people. It's just who we're supposed to to be. But there are just some people who are a little extra hard to love. Do you know anybody who's just a little extra hard to love? I wonder if you'd raise your hand. Maybe you won't raise your hand because you're sitting next to them. Um, But anyway, uh, there are just some people in life that are just a little extra hard to love. And so we've said it like this, how in the world do we love people who just suck the life out of us? Like when you're around them, it's like they just suck the life out of you. It's not enjoyable. And you just feel bad when you're around people like this. And over the next couple of weeks, we're talking about a couple different things. Last week, if you missed it, we talked about controlling people. How do we deal with people who try to control us and try to manipulate us? If you missed that, you can catch that on the podcast. But next week, I want to tell you where we're going. Uh, next week, we're talking about needy people. How do we deal with people who are just constantly on us all the time? And it feels like they need something from us. They need our time, our attention. They need our money. Amen. And and so, so many people, we're talking about those needy people. I also want to tell you that next week, just really, really quick, next week is going to be a very special week for our church. Next week, um, we're making a pretty major announcement concerning the church, and so I'm not going to tell you this week. I'm going to get you here next week so you can hear it, Um, but can I tell you that next week, history is going to be made. So uh, anyway, be excited. It's something good. I'm excited to tell you, and trust me, I would tell you today, but uh, you know, we just don't have all of our ducks in a row yet. So uh, I'm, I'm waiting till next week. So be back next week. We've got a pretty Uh, A pretty major announcement. Um, You've caught real church in a great time. So if you're here, this is a a great time to be here as uh, we we launch this church. But anyway, next week, that's that's what's happening. And then uh, the last week, you might, you want to come next week and the last week, because the last week we're talking about hypocritical people. How do we deal with hypocrites? How do we deal with people who say one thing and they do another? How in the world do we deal with those type of of people. But today we're going to talk about something that I think all of us, I'm pretty sure all of us has probably dealt with something like this. And um, it's just this, it's critical people. There's so many critical people in this world. And today, unfortunately, many of us, if you're alive, I'm sure you deal with hypocritical people. In fact, how many of you would say that you know someone in your life that has the spiritual gift of fault finding. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? They can find the fault 
in everything. And if you've been here and you turned to your neighbor and you've already told them three things that you dislike about this place, yeah, it's probably you. You've got that spiritual gift of fault finding. And uh, it, it, it's just, everybody does it, but there are just some people who just are so critical about everything. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm talking about that boss that probably micromanages you until it drives you batty. And, and he only gives you the feedback when you do something wrong. I'm talking about maybe you're an adult, maybe, maybe you, you're, you're married and you have kids, but your parents are still on you and trying to tell you how you should be raising your kids and how you should be doing this and how you should be doing that. Or maybe um, it's a spouse that just won't get off your back. He jokes of he or she jokes about your weight, how you chew your food, how you load the dishwasher or don't ever load the dishwasher. Maybe it's how you leave clothes laying around everywhere. Or maybe it's because you wear the same stupid shirt every day. <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever it is, uh, some people just have this fault-finding thing where they just, they're super critical about everything. And can I tell you that I'm not oblivious to this? Our church is an easy target for something like this. In fact, every church is an easy target for this. In fact, you know, we're the theater church right now. How in the world can you have church in a theater? How can God move in a movie theater that smells like popcorn that has been sitting there for a hundred years? How in the world, why, why are we so concerned with bringing people? The pastor tells me to constantly bring more and more people in. Well, it, it's because so there, there are still people going to go to hell. There's people out there that might go to hell and we, we want to save them, but people are critical about stuff like that. And they always, the pastor always talks about and is demanding people to serve. He's always wanting people to serve and use their spiritual gifts, just like Jesus asked us to do. It's awful. It's an awful thing, right? People can be so critical. In fact, people say stuff like this all the time. Well, well, the pastor doesn't preach enough about, insert your favorite subject, and he preaches too much about, insert your least favorite subject, right? <laughs> That's just kind of how it goes. See, people say, people say this all the time. I'm just pointing out general church things because I know you've heard some of these things. People can be so critical. They say, well, that church uses the wrong version of the Bible. They, they're too focused on the unchurched. Their teaching is shallow. The pastor's clothes are too trendy, too expensive, and sometimes too tight, depending on the outfit. Amen? And so that, people can be super critical. The worship is too long. The worship is too short. It's too loud. It's too, I can't hear anything. The lights are too dim. The lights are too bright. I, I, I don't know where to park. It's all these different things. People can be so critical about everything. But can I tell you that no matter what you do, if you're making any kind of difference, people are going to be critical. If you make a difference anywhere, there are going to be people who are going to, going to be critical about it. That's the world we live in. I came across this quote from Aristotle. Uh, he says this, To avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Now, I don't want to criticize that quote. <laughs> However, if you do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing, I guarantee someone will criticize you for being a lazy bum. I mean, <laughs> come on. Everybody 
You can't get out of people being critical about you. In fact, if you're alive, you probably deal with criticism. And can I tell you, you probably especially deal with criticism if you follow Jesus. It's just something you have to expect. People are going to be critical of that. And so this morning, we're going to answer the question, how do you respond to critical people? As a Christ follower, how do I respond to my critics? How do I respond to people who are constantly critical? Here's point number one, if you're taking notes. Often, you don't respond. Sometimes, you just need to keep your mouth shut. Man, my, if, if you're, I'm sure your parents probably told you that. It just, sometimes, it's just best to keep your mouth shut. And just because someone criticizes you, it doesn't obligate you to respond. You don't have to respond to that criticism. In fact, that was Jesus' method. If you read in 1 Peter, they're talking about Jesus here. Here's what it says. When, when they hurled insults at him, they're talking about Jesus. Can I tell you that they called Jesus all kinds of nasty things? They criticized Jesus about everything that he did, every little thing that he did. They called him a friend of sinners which we use that word now, and, and, and it, it's an all right word, but back then that was, not, that was not a compliment. Being a friend of sinners, that was definitely not a compliment. They called Jesus a drunk. They said that he ate too much. He said that, that he partied too much. They called him a false god, and they went on and on and on. And there's so many, so many different areas that you can just see where they pointed out Jesus' fault, and they criticized him on and on. And so they hurled their insults at him, and he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judges justly. Can I tell you that Jesus didn't retaliate? He didn't respond to his critics. He didn't have to defend himself. He didn't call his best friend and complain about what so-and-so said. No, he didn't do that. Instead, it says it right here, that he trusted God. Because Jesus knew who he was in God, he was able to leave the critics behind and realize that what they are saying is not true about him. Proverbs 19.11, it says this, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs says you need to overlook some offenses that are in your life. And can I tell you that overlooking isn't the same thing as pretending it didn't happen? So many of us, we think that if we have to overlook something, we just have to pretend it didn't happen. No, no, no. That's not what overlook means. Overlook literally means to pass over. It means to pass over something. And so if you, whenever you overlook something, that's you just making a conscious decision to let it go. In fact, when you overlook something, it's actually a form of forgiveness, it's basically forgiveness in real time. It's, it's when, it's, it, let, let me put it in, in these other words. It's not, I, I know it's not fair when somebody says that to you. I know it's not fair. I know I can get angry. I know I can retaliate. I know I can fight back, and I, hope, I know I have the right to be bitter. But I'm going to choose in this moment to let it go and let it go above. I'm going to over. Look it, I'm going to forgive it as soon as it happens, and I'm just going to let it go above, and I'm not going to worry about it. Some of you, that's what you need to do. You don't need to respond. You need to overlook it. Can I tell you 
that I've been hurt so many times in my life. I'm not just perfect. I've, I've, been, I've been hurt so many times. I, and, it's, and can I tell you, so many times it wasn't fair. It just absolutely wasn't fair. It's not what I wanted. I had every right to strike back. I had everything within me wanted just to let everybody know how wrong I'd been done. I just wanted to talk about it. I wanted to tell everybody. I mean, it, it, I've been hurt before, and I've been in situations where it's not fair. But can I tell you, I've had to choose to rise above. You've got to rise above some of it. Sometimes you just don't have to reply. Sometimes you don't need to reply. Hey, why, why, why would you do this? Why did you do this? Why did I do this? I, I said to myself that I'm not going to let something lower take me off my higher calling. I'm not going to let something that you said that is so lower than me take me off what God has called me to do. And so sometimes, sometimes, you have to overlook it. Why? Because your role is to obey God, not to answer to critics. You're not called to answer to all your critics, but you are called to obey God. So sometimes, sometimes, don't respond. Stop responding to the mean people to you, to the critics, to the people who drag you down all the time. Overlook it. Forgive them right away. Don't respond. But here's the second thing this morning that I want you to see. Sometimes you respond carefully. Sometimes you have the right to respond. And notice, notice that we use the word respond, not react. Because so many of us, we react. And can I tell you that when you react, that's an emotional-based decision. You're using your emotions to react. But can I tell you, when you respond to something, that is a spirit-led decision. When you respond, it's spirit-led. And can I tell you that there's a powerful example in the Old Testament where this guy named Gideon, he's, he's really just taking heat from people that really didn't like what he was doing. It's found in Judges, Judges 8. Uh, here's what it says. Now, the Ephraimites asked Gideon, why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. But he answered them. And Gideon, he gives this really clear answer to them. He's, he gave them this clear response that basically, I'm just going to sum it up for you. He says something like this. You guys really just don't understand that I, I worked, the, har the, the, the harvest was good and, and God brought us grapes and the grapes were good. And really what, it, it, the moral to the story is what Gideon is trying to get to is basically what God has brought us is good. What we have is good. And so he, Gideon takes some time to explain it. And, it. and if you skip to Judges 8 verse 3, it says this, when the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, their anger subsided. When they heard his answer, they weren't angry anymore. Can I tell you that sometimes a real answer, a real response to somebody will give a critical person an understanding that they don't have. It'll give them an understanding that maybe, maybe there's sometimes that people just don't understand your full situation. And they shouldn't have been critical about it right away. But if you can take some time and you can respond to it and explain to them that, hey, I'm not just doing this because, because of this, but there's a, there's a higher purpose to this. There's a reason why I'm doing this. And that's what Gideon did. And their anger subsided. But can I tell you that someone is going to criticize you no matter what? 
Someone's going to criticize you for every decision that you make, whether you decide to go back to school, whether you decide to quit school, whether you decide to go into ministry. Maybe it's because why in the world do you serve so much at church? Like, what causes you to do that? Why do you serve all those hours? They'll criticize you if you're a stay-at-home mom, and they'll criticize you if, if you're a working mom. You can't, you, you can't win. You can't, there's, there's no way that you can win. People just criticize it. But what do you do when someone criticizes stuff like that? Maybe you can offer an explanation. Maybe you can offer a little context on why this is happening. I'm not talking about an excuse, because so many of us, we make up excuses for what we do. I'm not talking about an excuse. I'm talking about an explanation, and an explanation that really just makes sense. And so maybe you have a friend that unleashes at you for no reason, or maybe your coworkers have been picking you apart, or, or maybe your parents are just are writing you and, and wanting to tell you exactly what to do. Maybe you need to wait before you respond. Sometimes we just need to wait before we respond because I can tell you that when emotions are high, your wisdom is low. When, you, when you're emotional, when you're on this emotional high, you're not thinking about the wise thing to do. Trust me, that's the last thing you're thinking about. You're thinking about how can I tell them and set them straight right now? That's what happens when emotions are high. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. When your emotions are high, you're not being led by the spirit. You're being led by emotions. What am I talking about? I'm talking about maybe you need to type it out and don't hit send. That's what we saw, that's what we saw Mike do up here, right? Uh, we, we, we saw, he, he typed it out, I love you so much, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, oh, crap, emotions were high. I didn't mean this. I didn't understand what was going on. And so my wisdom was low. Emotions, when your emotions are high, your wisdom is low. So maybe you need to remember that oftentimes the criticism isn't about you. Most of the time, when people are critical of you, it's not really about you. It's really born out of a hurt that they've had, maybe in their past or maybe a current hurt. Can I tell you that most angry people are usually hurting people? The people who are the angriest, the people who are the most critical, they're really just the ones who are the most hurt. So when you see a hurting person, maybe we need to have a different look at them. Can I tell you this? That I have never met a well-adjusted, happy, productive, positive person who is constantly banging out hateful comments on Facebook. Can I go there? Man, I've never met the person like that. People who are constantly on Facebook negative, 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 constantly. I've never, seen, I've never seen them be positive in real life, but can I tell you that behind every anger is a hurt. Behind every anger is a hurt. And when someone is so critical, maybe instead of being so defensive, maybe instead of you being so defensive, maybe you need to have compassion for that person. Maybe you need to change your look and say, you know what, I, I understand that maybe the emotions are high, and maybe you're angry at something. Maybe, maybe you're just critical about me because you're angry at someone else. But it, because you're angry at someone else, you're taking it out on me. But I'm going to have a little bit of compassion for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to understand your situation and, and change my outlook that you're not just being critical about me. You're being critical because you're angry at something. That's what so many people do. Maybe you don't need to react. Or maybe you need to prayerfully respond to that person. You need to respond wisely. So sometimes you don't respond to the people. Sometimes you respond carefully. And thirdly, occasionally, you listen 
and you make a change. Occasionally, you listen and you make a change. Can I tell you that sometimes your critics are right? Sometimes there is something actually wrong with you, and we don't like to hear that, but sometimes your critics are actually right. Can I tell you that if everyone tells you you have a problem, then maybe you really need to consider that you have a problem, <laughs> all right? Or, or if your spouse who really loves you says you're yelling too much, maybe you actually need to listen. Or maybe if everyone is telling you that the person that you're dating is the devil, then maybe you need to cast that demon out of your life and wait for a man who will actually respect you. Maybe, they, maybe it's something like that. But if everyone is telling you something, maybe it's actually right, and maybe you need to respond to it. Here's what Proverbs 15 says. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. But if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. Can I tell you, I've learned a lot from people, <laughs> I, from, from critical people, some people who, who were critical for the right reasons. But can I tell you, I've learned a lot from critical people who just really hate me, people who just completely dislike me, and they want to be critical about me. Sometimes I have to be like, well, thank you for pointing that out, so I'm going to make that change so you, you stop talking about me, all right? But you can, you can learn from everyone, all right? You don't just have to learn from, from, from the people that you, you highly respect, but sometimes, especially in my life, there's been times where I've learned from people who really actually hate me. And I've learned from it, and I've, I, and I've grown from it. And I, can I tell you that so many things are better in my life because of constructive criticism. My leadership is better. My listening is better. There's so many different things in my life that is just better because of constructive criticism in my life. And can I tell you that if you can't think of a couple times last year that you've made a change, then you're probably missing some opportunities for growth. Can I tell you you're not perfect? I'm sorry. You're not perfect. You've got things that you need to work on. You've got things that you need to make some changes. But if you're not listening to your critics and, and if you're not listening to the people closest to you, and, and some, some critics actually are trying to help you, if you're not listening to them and if you're not making a change, you're just killing your opportunity to grow. You're killing that opportunity for yourself. And the last one this morning I want to tell you about is this. You need to always work to guard your heart. You need to work constantly to guard your heart. Why? Can I tell you why? Because you, as a Christ follower, you're not called to live with a critical spirit. None of us. None of us should be, should have a critical spirit. Can I tell you who has a critical spirit? Satan. Satan's got a critical spirit. In fact, the Bible, the Bible talks about Satan as the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of lies. I can tell you that Satan is the critical one. And can I tell you that I'm not going to let that spirit drive me? And I hope you won't let that spirit drive you. Proverbs 12, 18, it says this, some people make cutting remarks. But here's the good news. The words of the wise bring healing. Man, can I tell you, that's the type of guy that I want to be. I want to be, I want to be a wise man that can, be, that can bring healing to people. I don't want to cut them down, but I, I, I don't want my words to be cutting, but I want them to bring healing. But can I tell you that because of our sinful nature, all of us can be overly critical just because of who we are and our sinful nature. We can all be overly critical, but so often critical people 
don't know that they're critical because they try to justify their criticism. You can't justify your criticism. Stop trying. Stop trying to justify everything that you say. But you have to, they, 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 they try to think on things, they try to think that they have the right to tear people down. You don't have the right to tear anybody down. I'm sorry to tell you that, but you just don't have the right to do that. People say stuff like this. Can you believe the way that she dresses? Can you believe the way that he dresses? Can you believe my boss is such an idiot? My coach, that coach should be fired if I had the money. They have no idea how dumb that they look. And she, she's so full of herself. And then they cap it off with this. I'm just being honest. Oh, I called a lot of y'all out just right there. Well, I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm just calling it like I see it. You know, just saying, saying. And they justify it by saying those simple words. Our spirits can be so critical. Can I tell you, I can be like that. But I don't like to call it critical. I like to say I'm opinionated. Right? I, I, yeah, we're, we're going to justify it. I'm opinionated. That's, that's a nice word for being critical. Can I tell you, I, I struggle with this in my life. I'm not no perfect person. I can tell you that one of the things that aggravates me more than anything is the way that people spend their money. Like, I wish that I could just control their money, and if I could just control their money and tell them how to spend their money, they would live in such a better life. <laughs> and, and, I, I, it, and I can be critical about stuff like that. Can I tell you, I can be critical about leadership. I can be critical about uh, how businesses, I, I don't know, I just, I'm, I guess I'm wired like this. I, I can be critical about how, like how a business runs their, uh, runs their organization or, or whatever, and I can be so aggravated that I, I could go in and if I could just have a meeting with some of these people, I could tell you 15 different leadership changes that you need to make in this organization right now. And, you know, that's just, <laughs> just the type of person I am. I, I, struggle, I struggle with being critical. And why, why am I critical? Why are people critical? Well, can I tell you that my critical spirit is born out of pride, it's born out of arrogance, and it's born out of hurt. Can I tell you, when you're hurt at something, you can be so critical. When, you, when someone hurts you, you can be so critical about them. When you are so full of pride, you're critical about everyone else around you. When you're so arrogant, you're critical about everyone. That's where your critical spirit comes from. And so how do you overcome a critical spirit? How do I get rid of this critical spirit? Can I tell you, if you want to overcome a critical spirit, you have to be deeply grounded in Christ. You have to be deeply grounded in Christ to overcome that critical spirit. In fact, you need to clarify your calling. We've talked about this for three weeks in a row. I know I'm probably sounding old with this, with, with your calling. But can I tell you this? You get ready to write this one down, all right? Because this is going to make a difference in your life. Who I am matters more than what they think. Who I am matters more than what they think. I don't care what they think about me. In fact, you need to have an attitude like this. I'm not moved by the praise from my fans, and I'm not moved by the criticism from my haters. It, can I tell you this? If you need praise to live, 
you're going to die by its absence. If you constantly need someone to build you up all the time and praise you and tell you how good and great you are, then you will die when they stop. You, you will, you will self-destruct on the inside. And it's the same way with criticism. If people criticize you, don't, don't, let it, don't let it get to your heart. I put it like this in my notes. I'm not going to let compliments go to my head, and I'm not going to let criticism stick to my heart. I won't let it go to my head, and I'm not going to let criticism stick to my heart. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And because I know my calling, I'm able to do it with confidence, no matter how much you like it and no matter how much you dislike it. I'm able to do it. That's because I know my calling. And can I tell you, I don't have to tear you down and I don't have to, I don't have to make myself feel better because I know what I'm doing. And can I tell you, and if you don't like what I'm doing, if you're critical about it, I'm going to dismiss it and I'm going to rise above because I know what God has called me to do. That's why it's so important for you to know what God has called you to do. You have to know, because if you know what God has called you to do, you can live your life without this critical spirit and without critical people affecting who you are. But so many of you, so many of us, we're too wrapped up by what other people think. We're so wrapped up by what other people think. And can I tell you that you cannot please God and live for the approval of other people. You can't please God and live for the approval of others. It doesn't work like that, because when you live for God, there's going to be critical people. When you live for God, there are, there's just going to be critical people. And can I tell you this? The higher you rise, the more critics you're going to have. It's just that's, that's the nature of it. The, the more that you do, the more people are not going to like you. Unfortunately, that's part of it. And that's why Paul says this in Romans 14, verse 10. He says, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? But remember, is that my phone? I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I felt my phone. It keeps buzzing. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I need to get rid of this phone while I preach, all right? Uh, back to what Paul says. Here he says in Romans, so why do you condemn another believer? And why do you look down on another believer? But remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. yes. Each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning one another. You need to stop condemning one another. Can I tell you, there are enough negative, hateful, critical people in this world. There's enough of that. We don't need another negative and critical person in this world. But I want to be one who can be a voice of life. I want to have life. I want to speak life into people. I, 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 I want to believe the best about people. And if you want to look for something to be critical about, can I tell you that you can find it anywhere. You can find it anywhere and everywhere. But can I tell you, in the same way, you can look for the good. If you want to look for something, if you want to see God working, if you want to see people growing, you can see it. You've just got to open your eyes and you've got to get that critical spirit out of your life. Why? Because you become what you focus on. 
You become exactly what you focus on. So if I'm sitting here looking for every critical thing in my life, yeah, you're gonna see it. But can I tell you that if you look for the good in anything, you're gonna be able to find it. And it's gonna change your life because you become what you focus on. If you're negative, you become negative. And, and can I tell you that when you're negative, God can't use you in a big way. If you're saying, if you're sitting here and you're saying, God, I want you to use me. Maybe you need to get rid of that critical spirit. Maybe you need to, you, you need to, you need to have a talk with yourself and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of looking at the negative. I'm done looking at the negative in my marriage. I'm done looking at the negative in my friendships. I'm done looking at the negative in my boss. But instead, I'm going to turn and I am going to look at the positive things. And can I, it's not going to fix all your problems, but can I tell you, it's going to help you sleep at night, all right? When you know what you're called to do, and no matter what they say, no matter what my critics say, and no matter the praise that I get, I'm grounded in Christ, and I don't need any of it. I know who I am, and I know who God says I am. Oh, it's so good. I love this. I love this message. Can I tell you that as God's people, you don't need to be the critical ones. You need to be the people who will lift spirits, who's going to encourage one another. We need to be those people. I'm not saying that you can't tell the truth. That's not what this message is about. You can tell the truth, but there's a way of telling the truth with love, all right? You can tell people the truth, but, but you don't have to be so negative about it. But if someone has something critical to say, and it's true, we learn from it. But can I tell you, if it's a distraction, we rise above it and we overlook it because we know that God has called us to something greater. And so I'm not gonna live for the approval of people. And I'm not gonna die by their criticism. Instead, I'm gonna live for the approval of God. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? This morning, maybe you're in this place and you say, man, I've had such a critical spirit. I can't get over this critical spirit and I want it gone. This week, I just wanna ask you to take some time. Man, and instead of looking at the bad things, can you focus on the good things for a little bit? And I can promise you, when you focus on the good, when you change your mind, man, I, things can shift in your life. This morning, maybe you're in here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. See, Jesus came so that we can have life and that we can have life abundantly. And maybe you want to get over that critical spirit, but first you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's really simple. All you have to do is believe that he died on a cross for your sins and believe that he rose again. And when he did it, he paid for your punishment. He saved you from your sin. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna count to three. And on the, on the count of three, I would love just for you to raise your hand just so I know who we're praying for this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room and no one looking, would you, on the count of three, raise your hand if you wanna accept Jesus. One, two, three. Hands lifted. Thank you. You can put your hands down. 
I want to pray for you this morning in church because we believe in this prayer. Let's pray it all together. Say this after me. Say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit.